inside is Pero looking for two. Doncaster straight. Can he do it again? Light up the world is getting up near the fence. But Pharo, Pharo dashed to the lead from Abbey Glen and light up the world, followed by Aragen and Brave Warrior. But Gavin Eads goes for home on Pharo. Look at Auntie Mary. Auntie Mary out of the back. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Pride's Easy Feed. Ticket sales are humming along for the 2023 Kosciuszko sweepstakes. 14 lucky ticket holders will get to share in the $2 million prize money on offer for this year's edition of the world's richest race for country and ACT trained horses. $5 sweepstake tickets are available until the 6th of September via the Tab app, local pubs and clubs, TAB agencies and at New South Wales race meetings. 14 winners will be drawn on Friday's September the 8th and those winners will be in a position to offer their slots to the owner or owners of one of the Kosciuszko runners. Slot holders and owners will negotiate a prize money split suitable to both parties. It's hard to believe five years have passed since the Grafton train Bell Flyer won the first Kosciuszko on a heavy track. 2019 it was the Canberra train to handle the truth. 2020 the scone mare It's Me who finished very fast to win the big race. 2021, Arcado became the only horse to win the country championship Kosciuszko double. Last year, the Wagga train front page was an impressive winner and is expected to line up again in 2023. Ticket sales close September the 6th. Draw will be held on September the 8th and will be broadcast live on Sky Thoroughbred Central and racingnewsouthwales.com.au. The curtain came down on a distinguished racing career on Saturday the 29th of July when Leon MacDonald saddled his final runners at Morfittville, the scene of so many of his finest moments. Leon was acting against the wishes of his parents in 1975 when he made a low-key start as a trainer with only a handful of horses and not a single helper. He rode them work himself and attended to every stable chore as he made his way in a racing world dominated by the Hayes and Cumming stables. Fast forward 48 years, and Leon MacDonald is credited with 150 stakes wins, including 11 at Group 1 level, to win two Adelaide premierships against the might of the Leviathan stables, is perhaps his greatest legacy. He's won such iconic races as the Caulfield Cup, the AJC Australian Derby and the Victoria Derby. 22 years ago, he elected to form a training partnership with his son-in-law, Andrew Gluis, believed to be the first partnership in South Australia and one of the very earliest, if not the first, in the nation. Leon has had the patronage of many loyal South Australian owners and the total support of his wife Pam and daughters Sue and Christine. Pam, in fact, has been the driving force behind the scenes in the operation of McDonald Racing. If Leon McDonald thought he was going to escape our podcast tribute, he was sadly mistaken. I've got him on the line. You've been inundated, Mr. McDonald. Yeah, I have, John. I've had a lot of comments on it. So uh, um, I think uh, 
I didn't know I was that good, but I don't know whether I am anyway. <laughs> you're pretty good, all right, and that's why you've been getting such heartfelt tributes. I know you were showered with good wishes right through the day at Morfordville, and you were handling it pretty well until a touching video tribute was played through the closed-circuit system on the race course, and that's when it got a bit tough. Yeah, I did have to take a, a gulp or two to keep calm, John, but uh, anyway, that, that's all gone now and everything's fine. You and Andrew had three runners on the day, two of which ran in the same race, a benchmark 86. A winner would have been nice on the day, but it was not to be. No, that's, that's right. I mean, both horses were probably uh, out of their comfort zone a little bit, but um, you know, we, we still hoped that um, maybe hop on Harry and Bob up here, Jason Holder on him, and it was probably the better of the two, but he went fairly ordinary. Mm. Your son-in-law, Andrew Glewis, has already made his mark in Adelaide Racing, and he'll continue to do so. I believe he's a former electrician who fell under the spell of thoroughbreds. Yes, he did. He Well, he uh, he married my daughter, which is probably what caused it. But mm. uh, when he, uh, their eldest son, Joe, was born, um, Sue took um, six months long service leave uh, and when uh, she had to go back to work, he, he resigned from the Electricity Trust, that's where I was once, mm. uh, and um, come and work for me and, and looked after the, the baby during the day. Mm. And the love of thoroughbreds just sneaked up on him. Oh, I think so. I think so. And he's very, uh, today he's very uh, committed to his job and what he does and um, He's probably he, he probably uh, he's more committed than I was, maybe. Mm. <laughs> That'll take some doing. Now, back in May, you went within a neck of ticking off a very important item on your bucket list when another award beat all but Royal Merchant in the time-honoured Goodwood Handicap, a race you dearly wanted to win. Yeah, I would have loved to have won that because <clears throat> it's always been regarded as a good race in, in South Australia and uh, you know, the likes of Black Caviar and others have won it. So it's a pretty it's a pretty uh, good sort of a race. I bet you got it off the seat for a couple of strides in the straight when he dashed between horses and put his head in front. I certainly did, but I wasn't on the seat. I was leaning on the fence down in front of the mounting yard. Oh, yeah. So I, I got off the fence. Oh, sure. He looked the winner, didn't he, for a couple of strides? Cer well, she certainly did, did yes. Mm. Yes, certainly did. She's been a nice mare, Leon, another award. Seven wins, 11 placings. She seemed to make huge improvement, though, last preparation. Yes, I think she was just uh, improving all the time. Uh, she was a little bit of a finicky doer in her younger days, but the last preparation she had, um, she really started to do well when she blossomed and uh, I think it's something that the, um, the breed do. Um, yeah. And um, But at her age, uh, she had to, had to go. Rising six-year-old, it was time that she uh, went, went off to be a mother and that's and so we sold her. Mm. A good would win would have been very satisfying for one other reason. She was ridden on the day by your former apprentice, your long-time go-to jockey, and your great friend, Jason Holder. 
Yeah, that's correct. And uh, he's never he never won a Group One for us, and uh, clearly ended up one too. So Jason's not all that happy about that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, that's the way that's the way the cookie crumbled. Stubby Holder is still riding at the absolute top of his game. He finished third in the Adelaide Premiership recently behind uh, uh, Jake Toreck and Lachlan Neindorf. And only recently, Stubby rode five winners in a day in Adelaide. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, that was Derby Day this year. Uh, and three of them were ours too, so that was a pretty good day all round. Mm. In recent times, Leon Darlesan is the best horse to grace French Cotton Lodge. He had 40 yeah. starts, eight wins, nine placings, 4.4 million, if you please. He won a Group 2, he won three Group 3s, two listed, and he was placed exasperatingly in four Group 1s. What a pity he couldn't snare one. Yeah, it is for sure. And they were, they, they were in Sydney too, um, at the Doncaster and Epsom. Mm. If he could have sneered one of those, it would have been great. Mm. And the Queen Elizabeth. I oh, and the Queen Elizabeth, but I, I thought uh, he was he ran very, very well in the Queen Elizabeth, but uh, he the other two were the ones he could have won. He had them won very close to the line, I thought, and just just didn't work for us. Mm. He's now at stud in Victoria, and you tell me he's got a big book of mares for his first season. Yeah, it looks like he's going to finish with a big book, I suppose. Uh, I've still all got to get there, but uh, you know, they're talking somewhere around 100, so mm. it would be great. But uh, he retired, not a Group 1 winner, but uh, won a lot more state money than a lot of Group 1 winners ever do. Mm, 4.4 million. He's got a half-sister that you've been training by the name of Party Princess. She's a talent. Nine starts, three wins. She's already won a stakes race over a mile. Is she in work? Yes, yeah, she is a nice filly uh, and will probably get better. I think the same things get a bit better as they get older, but um, at the moment uh, she hasn't shown me as much as he did as a young horse, but uh, hmm. as I said, she will probably improve next preparation. Good. And is she back in work? Yeah, she's back in work and uh, she's just about ready to gallop, so she's probably four or five weeks off of the run. And how did she do, Leon? Does she furnish a bit? Done extremely well. Lovely mm. type of mare and, uh, you know, once again, I think the you things uh, that look like him are all nice horses and uh, she's certainly one of them. Mm. Well, just over two years ago, you were subjected to a predicament that can befall anybody who's around horses all the time. One of your horses, Pearl Bandit, knocked you base over apex at track work and you sustained fractures to a hip which required surgery. How did it happen? Oh, he just turned on me. He wasn't doing much wrong at all. Uh, he'd worked pretty well that morning and uh, Jason was on him and I would just walk down to talk to him and the horse turned his back on me mm. uh, and just uh, contacted me and over I went and obviously fell the wrong way. Yeah. Do you know exactly the same thing happened to Tommy Smith one morning out in the infield near the trainer's tower at Randwick? I can remember the horse's name, Bello, B-E-L-L-O. Oh did nothing on the racetrack and became famous for breaking Tommy Smith's hip. You, you can't <laughs> drop your guard for one moment, can you? 
No, no, not at all. But uh, anyway, I was touch and go a little bit for a while and uh, uh, I basically got over it. I came out of hospital on a walker. Um, and um, luckily, on um, wife had a friend who teaches Pilates, so I went and done some Pilates and got myself walking. And uh, I'm a bit slower than I used to be, but um, quite sound. Mate, I wish I'd known about the Pilates. We'd have we'd have turned that into a headline. Uh, yes. Mm. <laughs> Just before we take a trip down memory lane, I've got to mention the wonderful honour that took you completely by surprise in 2014 when you were inducted into the Australian Racing Hall of Fame. You were gobsmacked. Oh, I certainly was, and uh, Bob Charlie rang me. Uh, I was sitting home where I'm sitting now, actually, mm. uh, and, and he rang and told me about it, and I, I said, well, come on, what's the joke? Who are you? What are you doing? <laughs> Thought it was <laughs> a joke. he was there thinking. Yeah, wonderful, mate. I know on the night you were quite moved by it. Now I was, for sure. You made a comment to John Hawkes on the night that you got a bit of airplay. Yeah, I, I said to Johnny, I don't, don't know what I'm doing here. And he <laughs> said, well, you can rest assured on one thing. You never put yourself there. Someone must have thought you were good enough to go there. Well, so. there you go. Case closed. <laughs> Now, let's reminisce, Leon. You had an uncle called George who had an enormous influence on your life. He had a good measure of success as a trainer, but he was a very good tutor and he taught you lessons which have served you well through life. He certainly did. And, um, you know, I I didn't know whether he was always right, but he always turned out to be. And, um, uh, I, did, I did do a lot of things he said and I did copy a few of his methods and uh, it's been great. Interesting to note that it was Uncle George who gifted you the colours that have become synonymous with your stable. White, black stripes, white sleeves and a white cap. Great colours. Yeah, that's true, John. He, um, he got them from his father who came to Australia in 1893 as a horse trainer. Goodness me. Uh, and so uh, they, they went to a place in the north of Port, Augusta, uh, north of Port Augusta mm. uh, called Oruru. Um, and eight miles down the track was uh, another pretty famous person, Jim Cummings, the father, the father of Bart. Goodness me. Mm, an era, uh, a great era and uh, a district that went on to produce champions. Yes, well, they, 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 they were drovers and they drove cattle from Darwin to Port Augusta to the ship and things like that. They, they did it pretty hard, but they, they were great horsemen. Not only did you inherit Uncle George's colours, but you also started training in the stables he'd previously occupied at Morfittville. Mind you, you've expanded a good deal since. Oh yes, expanded a lot. He had the uh, the stables next door, which were big. Richard Jolly's there now, mm-hmm. uh, and when he retired, he just broke his team down to a couple of horses, or just before he retired. Uh, and so there was there was room for five or six horses there only. But uh, mm-hmm. we worked a few deals and bought a bit of land around it to expand. To I think it holds forty two today. Mm-hmm. In the mid-1980s, you named that place 
French Cotton Lodge after the horse who gave you your first Group 1 win in the South Australian Derby. I can remember coming there one day, Leon, in the 1980s to visit you with a Sky Channel camera and you had a framed photograph of French Cotton, I think in your feed room or tack room. Yes, I did, and it's still there today. Uh, you know, he, he, he was, as far as I was concerned, he was a great horse, mm. um, probably the best in the world, so I thought. But it turned out that he was a very good Adelaide horse and he, he won good races in South Australia, but he did uh, go to Flemington once and run second up the straight over 1,100 metres. Mm. Uh, but um, other than that, um, he came back to Adelaide and that's where he raced. Alf Matthews rode French Cotton in the Derby and he was also the rider of Make Mine Gold who gave you another early Group 1 win in the Australasian Oaks. Yes, it was um, Alfie rode in both of those, both of those horses. It was called Mine Gold, actually, mm-hmm. uh, with the other one. I had the favourite in that race as well with Jason Holder on it. So, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know, Alf never be did it. Never to be desired, uh, he, he bobbed up and, and got the money. Goodness me. You had another uncle, Ab McDonald, who trained a top-class filly in the 1960s called Farmer's Daughter. She won uh, yeah. a VRC and an AJC Oaks. I think Johnny yeah. Miller was riding her, wasn't he? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, Johnny was here those days and um, uh, he, he rode her. She was owned by well-known bookmaker Jim O'Connor, who bought her in New Zealand. Mm. Uh, and Uncle Ab, he was getting to the end of his tether by this time. He, he, must, he was well in his 70s, probably late 70s. Uh, never had a lot of horses at the time, but he got her and he could still put the polish on her. Mm. <coughs> Before biting the bullet and becoming a trainer, you worked for ETSA, E-T-S-A, the Electricity Trust of South Australia. And you didn't like it one bit, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't. I worked as a, I worked in the claims department and uh, insurance. Did a lot of insurance there, uh, and uh, no, I didn't. I didn't like the office work, but mm. I did have a, a wife and two little girls and uh, and a mortgage. So mm. it wasn't a great. Um, it was a big decision to um, to quit the job. Oh, bet it was. And what did Pam say about that? Uh, she was okay about it. She just stuck by me. <laughs> and continues to. Continues to, yes, yep. Now, that yep. organisation, Leon Etzer, had a name change a few years ago. It's now called SA Power Networks, but it's still doing the same job. Exactly, yes. Mm. Now, I believe you got strong resistance from your parents when you said you wanted to become a horse trainer, did they think it was too uncertain a future for their boy? Possibly. I, I'm not sure. I, I, I lived in Port Augusta at the time uh, and they sent me down to Adelaide to school. I went to Sacred Heart College. I mm. uh, had an illustrious other student there, Bart Cummings, a little Ooh. bit before me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, I spent a lot of time because, um, you know, close to Morfordville and Uncle Ab had stables at, at Summerton where it is and mm. I did spend a lot of weekends with both my uncles and I really probably got the bug then but mm. when I suggested it to my father, he said, get a real job, son. So that's, <laughs> what, I, 
I, I had to do that uh, to uh, keep the peace. Yeah. Well, when you were up and running, you probably despaired of ever winning an Adelaide Premiership because Lindsay Park simply dominated. You must be greatly satisfied to have won two of them. Uh, yes, Lindsay Park was dominating uh, before my first Premiership. Uh, but, you know, being honest... Um, that was the year Peter Hayes was killed in a plane crash mm. and Peter was running the, the, the Lindsay Park those days, so I did have a bit of advantage. Mm. Oh, it was a very sad time. Very sad, yeah. Mm. Darlison wasn't the only good horse you've trained for ownership syndicates in which Harry Perks has been involved. Harry's been a successful businessman, a very astute owner-breeder and a major investor in South Australian racing. He was the breeder oh. and the part owner of the horse you rate the best you've trained. Gold Guru, 43 starts, 8 wins, 8 placings and $2.4 million. You gelded him early, Leon. Yes, he was a, he was a very bully colt and... Uh... I did say to Harry at the time, you're either going to have a racehorse or a stallion, but you won't have both. And mm. uh, he, he agreed to gild him and um, just made the horse. He had, you know, he, he was a little bit of a pig at times and um, it just made him being a gilding. Mm. He won a couple of two-year-old races. Took him a while to get going as a three-year-old. In fact, it was his sixth run back in after that spell before he won and it was when you got him out to 2,040 metres in the Amy Vars at Mooney Valley with Damien Oliver. That's correct. And, um, you know, Damien rated him extremely well that day and um, he was always near the lead and dashed away before the corner and was never in doubt. But um, that was, um, well, probably his most promising win up to that time. Mm. Uh, and then um, he, he went to the Victoria Derby and Craig Williams rode him. Uh, Damien had to ride a horse for Friedman's at the time mm. uh, and um, he probably never wasn't one of Craig's best rides and he ran fifth in that, not yeah. beaten very far. Yeah, second coming won that derby. Yeah, that's right. Well, next preparation, it took him a while to come up too and it was his fourth run in when he won the Amy Classic at Caulfield with Greg Childs, who was also in the saddle when he won the Australian Guineas at his next start. That was his first Group 1 win, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's correct. That's yes. correct. Yes, yes. You made the call to take him straight to Sydney for the Randvet Stakes at Rose Hill, 2,000 metres. Shane Dye jumped on and he was absolutely brilliant in beating a handy horse called Mighton Power. Just a horse. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was really funny because after the um, the um, two thousand metre race on at um, Flemington that he won mm-hmm. uh, with Greg on him, um, I said to Harry, "We ought to be going to Sydney with this horse in in fortnight." And he said, "Oh, I thought so too." And um, I said, "The Tullock Stakes is going to be run, so um, it'll be a lovely race for him." He said, "I want to run in a round bet." And I said to him, uh, you've probably got rocks in your head. Anyway, coming to the corner, um, when Martin Powers was careering along in front, 
And Harry was sitting alongside of me. He said, I think I have got rocks for me. But anyway, one thing led to another, and up, up got Golguru. Well, following that defeat of might and power, you were probably confident of offering stern opposition again a fortnight later in the Mercedes Classic. This time, however, you struck might and power at his awesome best. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he he careered along in front that day and um, was he was never, ever going to be run down. We were under extreme pressure uh, before the corner. Uh, and um, but he, to the horse's credit, he kept whacking away and did fight, did fight off Doremus for second. Mm. So it was still a pretty good race. Yeah, and good prize money too in finishing second. Exactly. Two weeks later, you soared to racing's dizziest heights when Gulguru won the Derby, defeating Ty the Knot, who was well and truly on his way up by then. Shane Dye had to ride Tie the Knot, but Greg Childs didn't need much convincing to fly to Sydney. No, um, Greg had to stay. I think uh, what happened um, after the Australian Guineas when Golguru went to Sydney and run, Greg had had a ride in the Australian Cup, so he couldn't come, so that's how Shane got on. Uh, but Shane did tell me at the time that um, he could ride him in the Randvet and the, um, I think it was called the Mercedes Classic then. Yes, it was. 2,400-metre race. But he would be riding Tyler Knott in the Derby. So, you know, the, I, I, we knew what was going on right from the start and mm. when he got off uh, on Jump Greg again. He must have been a tough customer, Leon, you know, to go a couple of runs in Melbourne or a couple of wins in Melbourne and then the Ranveth, the Mercedes and the Derby in pretty quick succession, and he was probably at his best in the third one. Yeah, I think so, and um, I think you described him in your call. You called him as tough as nails, and I'm sure that was right. Mm. Oh, yeah, he held Tie the Knot safely. Tie the Knot got to his quarters and looked like he was a real threat, but right on the line, your bloke was going better. Yeah, much better on the line. Uh, mm. I spoke to Shane after and he thought the, the wet track slowed his horse down. He might, might have been right too, but we, we both had to go through it. Mm. Well, Golguru went home for a spell after the derby, but he struggled to regain his best form next time in. He was placed in a couple of group races and he won an open race in Melbourne, but he just wasn't the same, was he? No, he had bone chip in his offside front um, fetlock joint, uh, uh, and um, we knew it was there, but the vets couldn't do much about it because it was pretty difficult to operate on. So we had to try and, and go with it at the time. Mm. Whether today, though, with their you know great knowledge now, they may have got it out, but um, at the time they couldn't. Uh, they wouldn't risk taking it out. Mm. Well, as Gul Guru's career wound down. Umrum Star was beginning to rise. He was probably your sentimental favourite, Umrum. He had 80 starts, 14 wins, 20 placings, and 1.6 million. Two Group Ones, and they were back to back two rack handicaps with Eddie Wilkinson and Jim Cassidy. He must have been a sound old fellow, was he? He was very sound. He, run, he ran that day six, six years in a row. Mm. Um, on and two rack handicaps, Good. and I think on the other 
before that, he ran in the Caulfield Guineas on, on the same day also. So he was at Caulfield on seven years in a row. We'll just take a break, Leon, on our podcast, and we'll come back with you after this. Ask any trainer about the frustrations of having horses who won't clean up their feeds. Those horses who always leave a little more than they should. And for some strange reason, they seem to leave the most the night before they're due to race. Why not try those finicky doers on Pride's Easy Performance? A highly palatable set recipe feed that provides the right muscle fuel while promoting inner health. It's also of benefit in helping horses to recover after a tough run, a barrier trial, or a searching track gallop. Some horses have only one win in them. Others might have two or three. They've got to be happy, healthy, and fit at all times and on a feed that covers all bases. It's a good feeling for any trainer when a horse looks right and when he or she is leaving the feed bin with a shiny bottom. When the right race comes along, you want a horse who's been on a feeding regime designed to help it get to the line. Pride's Easy Performance is the complete nutritional feed for the equine performance athlete. A special guest is former champion trainer Leon McDonald, recently retired. Now, just changing pace for a moment, you were a trailblazer in recognising the talents of female jockeys. Ruth McMillan was one of your early discoveries. What a good rider was Ruth. Oh, she was great, but she was before her time. Mm. Uh, she did ride a treble for me at Victoria Park one day mm. um, and probably should have won four. The other horse just got beaten. Mm. Uh, but um, she was great, a great worker in the stable uh, and um, rode very well. But we're, we're, you know, it was a fair while ago when women were really considered uh, being considered by all trainers and mm. she came out of her time and when she was a senior rider with no claim, she found it very hard to get a ride. Mm. Raquel Clark, now retired, was another of your graduates. You paid Raquel the great compliment of putting her on Dalasan in the Group 3 Dane Hill Stakes at Flemington in 2019, and who could have ridden him better on the day? Nobody. No, she was great. Raquel was great and um, was really going places, um, but unfortunately had a bad fall uh, mm. and with concussion and she'd never really recovered from it. She went back home to that little town called Penguin in Tasmania. She's there with the that, family. Yeah, that's right. She bought herself a little property and messes around with a horse or two, but um, um, unfortunately she has memory memory problems. I mean, to look at her, she looks fine, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately she, um, she can't be passed to ride. Mm, what a pity. She was heartbroken too, wasn't she? Oh, yes, and she still is. Around 2002, a little girl called Claire Lindop started to ride work for Leon McDonald, and she didn't stop for 17 or 18 years. Now, before we talk about her talents as a race rider, let's pay tribute to a work ethic which you tell me was second to none. Oh, it was. In all those years she was with me, I reckon she'd probably had about six days off going to the track in all those years. She mm. never ever missed them. Um, never ever missed a week or a day or a day over the week. Mm. And um, you know, she worked really hard at her craft and uh, 
you know, she wasn't the greatest jockey when she started, um, but she built her strength up and she worked hard in the gym, uh, did all those sorts of things, and uh, it certainly paid off for her. Oh, didn't it? Rebel Raider had six starts at home before you took him away for the first time. Uh, now, he won an open three-year-old at Cheltenham with Claire and a group three at Morfordville with Chad Lever. Now, you took Claire to Victoria to ride Rebel Raider in the Geelong Derby trial. He ran third there. You go on to the Victoria Derby. He starts at $101. Claire Lindop is in the saddle. No female has ever ridden the winner of the Victoria Derby, and they still haven't. What were you thinking in the run that day? I was always happy in the run. What mm-hmm. uh, In the Geelong Classic, I didn't think he had his mind on his job as well as he could have. And mm-hmm. uh, I talked to Claire about it after and uh, after the race and said we'll put some blinkers on him in the derby. She said, don't know about that, going to 2,500 metres. I don't know whether that'll work. But anyway, mm-hmm. we did. Uh, he drew an ordinary barrier. She went back. I said to her she'd have to go back, which she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was the the um, the only danger or the odds on a horse in the race who got you was behind her, so they were both back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, she made her run come into the corner. Um, Michael Rod moved out on Huber Gotchu and uh, she saw him coming, giving him a decent old bump, and away she went <laughs> uh, and won comfortably. At one hundred and one dollars, one like a six to four chance. He certainly did. Well, six months later, Rebel Raider and Claire Lindop gave you your second win in the South Australian Derby. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, he led all the way that day. So mm. drew the um, drew the perfect barrier, barrier five, and um, when they went out of the straight at Morfaville, which is probably the only bad turn in the track, mm. he was still four deep. Gee. Um, so getting to the 2000, she decided to go to the front on him and that was the end of the penny section, really. Mm, outstayed him. Yes. Rent, yep. You knew you were in trouble when he developed hock problems a little later. He was a very heavy horse, wasn't he? He was, yes. And he uh, he did have a hock problem, but, but he also uh, had uh, – Joint problems in front because he was so heavy, and he, he broke eventually broke down in the near side front. Mm. He's gone now, of course, Leon, but not before doing a decent job as a sire. No, he was very good as a sire. Uh, he went to Ballarat and stood at Kim Kim McKellar's property, uh, and um, fair to say, he never had any great mares, but he threw a lot of winners. I think the best one I had one of. Um, Won a Hobart Cup, mm. uh, but um, other than that, he's through a multitude of winners over ground. And mm. uh, I did win a lot of ordinary races. I had horses that won a lot of ordinary races uh, that were by him. Mm. Well, Rebel Raider bowed out and Southern Speed entered stage left. 25 starts, seven wins, four seconds, two-thirds, 2.8 million. She wasn't offered as a yearling because of ordinary-looking front legs, and you knew right from scratch she was going to take a bit of time. Oh, she always showed a lot. Um, could gallop, really gallop, and uh, 
Um, we were actually, she came in as a very late two-year-old. We were running a barrier trial before the um, Lightning Stakes, which has run here the last week mm-hmm. of the year, um, and won the barrier trial by oh, five or six lengths. And mm-hmm. Claire said to me, we should be running this in the Lightning Stakes, even though she wasn't <laughs> bred to. But unfortunately, she pulled up Shinsaw after that and went to the paddock. Mm. Uh, come back in uh, as an autumn three-year-old and she won her first five starts. Mm. She certainly won a first three with uh, Claire Lindop in the saddle, including a group three at Flemington, the Vanity. So you knew you had a really nice filly on your hands at that stage. Yeah, exactly. Um, And um, uh, and she was always going to get over ground, which was what I liked best of all. The first time she made a real statement in Melbourne was a second line tamer in the Underwood Stakes. She followed that with a fourth in the Turnbull and then into the Caulfield Cup she goes with Craig Williams in the saddle. She lost a plate in that cup. Where, where did that happen? I'm not really sure. Mm. Mm. Didn't worry her? Really, no, it didn't worry her. Uh, and... Uh, um, the, the track it was a lovely track that day, and uh, she box seated all the way, and it was a copybook ride by Craig, and mm. uh, she got the money. It's a lovely race, the Caulfield Cup. Got a lot of romance and history, hasn't it? Oh, I think so. And it's probably one of the hardest mile and a half races in the world to win. I think a Caulfield Cup, and mm. that's been shown by horses that have won it over the years. Mm. Uh, but uh, she was she was good enough to do it. Well, next preparation, she went straight to Melbourne. She won a listed. She ran second in the CF Award, a black caviar, if you please. Second in the Australian Cup. Then she had a couple of unplaced runs in Sydney, but not too far away. And then in her final preparation, she won three stakes races, including the Maccabi Diva. What became of her? Uh, well, we said uh, we were going to go back to the Caulfield Cup again, uh, and um, we we declared with her, and she drew barrier twenty. Mm. So we decided not to run her, and she went to the Cox Plate um, and run, um, I think, run about fifth. Mm. But she showed no pace out of the gates and was back last all the way, and did run on very strongly the last four hundred metres. Mm. Um, so I took no notice of that, and we were going to run her in the Melbourne Cup, which she was an acceptor for. Mm. Uh, and on Derby Day, uh, galloping over a mile and a quarter, uh, she broke down and um, um, went in a near side front leg. Um, and, um, you know, in retrospect, she may, may have been feeling that in the Cox Plate because she'd never been slow early before. So mm. um, she was probably giving us an, the uh, idea that there was something wrong there. Anyway, mm. that was the finish of her. Mm, what a pity. But a job was done. Her job was done and she went to – she was sold to, Hong, uh, to Japan and went to Northern Farms but uh, mm. never threw a horse that could gallop like she did. Unbelievable. Go Indy Go was a good filly, Leon. She only had 11 starts. She won the South Australian Sires and the Group 1 Champagne Stakes in Sydney. Yeah, she was a very smart filly. Um, after the uh, Champagne Stakes in Sydney, she uh, had a gut problem and she never, ever got over it. She scoured most of the time. And, uh, mm. you know, All the vets had a look at her, couldn't find how to cure it and... Uh, 
um, preparation in Melbourne as a three-year-old, uh, where, she, where she, I think she ran third in the uh, thousand guineas somewhere there, mm. uh, and ran a pretty good race in the Oaks. But that, I think that just shows how good she was because she was never right, and um, uh, that we then retired her. Mm. And what of Dilly Dally, who won 1.1 million? She won a TJ Smith when it was only a Group Two. She won a Schweppes at Flemington and she won a couple of stakes races at Mooney Valley. Pam was a part owner. That's pressure. That's real yeah, pressure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I was under pressure there. <laughs> Pam was a part owner. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I was lucky enough to win a couple of those good races, so it took the pressure off. Pam has the job of keeping the ship steady at all times, and nobody does it better. No, I can vouch for that. Uh, I had had to account for everything those days, John. Mate, here's one I'd forgotten about, the Thousand Guineas at Caulfield, a group one with a filly called Serious Speed. I think Dan Nikolic was the jockey. Yeah, he was. Um, um, Claire owed her in the uh, Edward Manifold and she got beaten half a neck. Mm. And one of the part owners weren't all that happy, so they never wanted to replace the jockey. So Dan was lucky to get on. Then, mm. then after that, she ran. Uh, she got beaten uh, an inch in the uh, Victoria in the Victoria Oaks as well. Mm. See, they go out of your mind, Leon. You've had a lot of them, and you've had a very good score with fillies, including Augusta Proud. Now, she must have been a precocious, natural sort of a two-year-old. She won five straight in Adelaide. She went through a dreadful heat wave at that time. Then you put her on a float to Melbourne, then on a plane to the Gold Coast, and she came out to make it six straight in the Magic Millions Classic with Claire Lindop. She was a very tough filly, wasn't she? Yeah, she was very tough, and... uh I think she came. We, she was broken in, and um, just before the start of the uh, season, and never never went out of the stable. She just kept going right through to the Feb. It was she may have been a little bit lucky to win it because of the fact that uh, it was EI time, mm. uh, and they transferred the Gold Coast race, which was just after Christmas, to Easter. Mm. And I think that helped us a bit because she was a mature, much more mature then, and. Uh, if, if it had been run straight in the first week in January when it usually is, um, we probably wouldn't have even got there. You ran her in the Golden Slipper in which she finished midfield behind Sebring. Yes. Mm. Yeah, there was a very, very, very wet day and she drew barrier one uh, and was on the inside all the way and, you know, not saying she'd have beaten Sebring or even run a place, but um, she was badly disadvantaged by the inside draw. Mm. She came back later. She won a couple of stakes races, in fact, later in her career. Yes, she did. And but um, like a lot of these horses, I mean, she was a great two-year-old, and um, they they can't come back, come keep going, improving, and other horses improve. She probably stayed at where she was, but uh, mm. um, she was still competitive in good races, but uh, not like her two-year-old does. Well, we've mentioned that daughter Sue is married to Andrew Lewis. Your daughter Christine is married to Terry McAuliffe, journalist and a former outstanding race caller 
who opted for a change of direction a couple of years ago when he became the Adelaide correspondent for Racing.com. How's he going? Yeah, pretty good. It's going okay. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, Racing.com has been re- really good for South Australia. Um, Matt, we've probably given us uh, more uh, more airtime, South Australian trainers, and people get to know them a bit more. You turned 81 last April, so you're fully entitled to retire. But what are you going to do with yourself? Oh, probably not much different, John. <laughs> no. I'll, I'll still uh, hang around the stables a bit and uh, give Andrew any advice if he needs it, and he probably won't. But... Um, I just, uh, I'll just be around the place. You own a brood mare. Yeah, yes, I own a brood mare, but she's not, not a very famous one. But um, it's, a, it's not. I don't think that's a good recipe for, uh, at eighty-one or almost thirty-two to no. start waiting for yearlings to come through. Yeah, too long a wait. Yeah, exactly. Well, the accolades you received, up to and including last Saturday's Morfordville meeting served as testimony to the esteem in which you're held by the South Australian racing industry. Well played, Leon McDonald. Have a long and happy retirement, and I'll catch up with you the next time I get to Adelaide. Yeah, thanks very much for all that, John. I think it was good of you to ring me and talk to me, and uh, hopefully um, my story is interesting to some people. It'll be interesting to many, Leon, and it was my great pleasure to talk to you on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Ticket sales are humming along for the 2023 Kosciuszko sweepstakes. 14 lucky ticket holders will get to share in the $2 million prize money on offer for this year's edition of the world's richest race for country and ACT trained horses. $5 sweepstake tickets are available until the 6th of September via the TAB app, local pubs and clubs, TAB agencies and at New South Wales race meetings. 14 winners will be drawn on Friday September the 8th and those winners will be in a position to offer their slots to the owner or owners of one of the Kosciuszko runners. Slot holders and owners will negotiate a prize money split suitable to both parties. It's hard to believe five years have passed since the Grafton train Bell Flyer won the first Kosciuszko on a heavy track. 2019 it was the Canberra train to handle the truth. 2020 the scone mare It's Me who finished very fast to win the big race. 2021, Arcado became the only horse to win the country championship Kosciuszko double. Last year, the Wagga train front page was an impressive winner and is expected to line up again in 2023. Ticket sales close September the 6th. Draw will be held on September the 8th and will be broadcast live on Sky Thoroughbred Central and RacingNewSouthWales.com.au.